my loves, I'm Carly Deering and this is Tea with Kings and Queens, the podcast where I chat to the most exciting he, she's and they's in the world of drag, burlesque and cabaret. We're still basking in the glow of Eurovision here in Liverpool, so today is a special Eurovision episode with Liverpool-based Franz Genau, a German drag king, international cabaret comedian and clown daddy of the Liverpool alternative scene. Franz is a host and producer, including Quiz with the Queers, a camp blend of pub quiz and queer ridiculousness, and Spew, the scratch night for young queer performers. Every first Wednesday, he also fills the airways with his own radio show, Drag Dings, together with his partner in crime, the fabulous Dan Chan. Franz performed all through the Eurovision celebrations here in the city, and like me, is a bit of a super fan. So as well as reliving all things Eurovision that have consumed the city in the last two weeks, including Sophie Ellis-Bexter playing a set in John Lewis, we chat about the German and UK cabaret scene, Franz's very particular brand of drag, subverting masculine stereotypes with effeminate performances, and we also discuss the importance of scratch nights to encourage a new, diverse range of performers gain confidence. Enjoy. Good morning, Franz. It is 9am and this is how much we love Eurovision. <laughs> yes. We to talk about it still. Um, how are you? What was your experience of the last week like? Are you over it yet? Because I'm certainly not. <laughs> um, I'm good, you know. I have my coffee ready. I'm excited to chat to you and it's been just absolutely magical. I'm still reveling in uh, Eurovision. I got to say I'm dipped a little bit into the post-Eurovision blues at this point, which is um, why this whole podcast thing now is really helpful, <laughs> because I feel like I can just sit with another super fan and talk about how the last... It's been two weeks for me that I've been working on this and doing things and also just enjoying it as a fan, and I can't believe how... I mean, I can believe how good Liverpool was, but I think everyone was just absolutely excited and relieved that it was such a good event and that yeah Liverpool just created such a magical atmosphere I think that's the only way to describe it really isn't it yeah I agree magical is definitely the term I knew it was going to be good but I don't think I I quite realized how special it was going to be I'm the same as you I think I'm I'm starting to get the blues a bit so it is nice to chat today I was walking down the docks yesterday and seeing everybody take all the stuff down um and that was a bit sad and I kind of wanted to do you know, ask them if I could have stuff for no, for no apparent reason, like where would it even go? But then there was clearly a, a bunch of fellas saw me taking pictures for Instagram and taking it down and they felt sorry for me. So they let me lower one of the Eurovision flags. Oh my God. Very special moment. <laughs> that is very special. I feel like you're, you're the official person closing it now. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like, yeah, yeah. I officially closed it for on behalf of us all. So, um, Thank you for your service. <laughs> You're very welcome. You're very welcome. I'll be available in Sweden next year for that, for that purpose if they want to invite me. Um, so you performed throughout this whole magical time, didn't you? Um, yes. Tell us yes. about that. How were you involved outside of Eurovision? Because for me, although Eurovision itself was a fantastic event, it was everything <clears throat> else going on around it that made it really special. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So um just seeing that at every street corner there's something going on. I had friends from Ireland and friends from Germany coming, and everyone was so impressed because last year I was in Turin um, to watch Eurovision there. And it was great. It was still magical. It was still 
um, like full of the European spirit, but there was not that much going on. So Liverpool was um, just throwing it all out there. Um, and as part of that, um, I performed as well, which was an absolute honor. And I think something that every track artist wanted on their CV <laughs> to be kind of involved in this. Um, so I did several gigs throughout the weeks. The biggest one was on, I'm always getting this wrong. It's Chavez Park, right? It's on yeah. L1. That's how to yes. say it. Because people kept asking me, where are you going? I was like, Chavez Park? Can't tell you. Yeah, um, but it was a terrible name. <laughs> it is a bit of a terrible name. But the event was not terrible. Mm. <laughs> it was uh, it was called Homovision. And it was organized by Homotopia. And it was an entire day filled with queer performers, which I think is very fitting because Eurovision is so incredibly queer, or at least reminiscent of the queer experience. So it was 60 performers that were on that stage throughout the entire day. And I was booked through my lovely friends at the Eat Me Cabaret, um, which is a local Liverpool cabaret giant uh, they're doing loads of alternative uh, drag and loads of events. And uh, over the years, we've become very good friends. So I was able to perform there and perform together with my uh, partner in crime, Dan Chan, mm -hmm. another um, very um, locally famous yeah. drag queen, uh, a rising star, so to speak. <clears throat> um, and that was one of the biggest events that I did uh, besides um, the other gigs uh, that was also booked for so to speak but it was just it was so beautiful because a there were loads of other performers that I always want to meet um like blessed performers and um oh, I'm missing all the names now loads of people that I admired for years essentially um but then also having that kind of stage and putting yourself out there and the vibe was just phenomenal because in the beginning I was a bit wary I'm an absolute cabaret kid um, I'm saying this fully aware that I've only been performing for less than 12 months, <laughs> but I've been performing mainly in cabarets here and in Germany. That is kind of what I'm doing. And obviously that is a very contained crowd and it's kind of, um, you know what you're getting yourself into in a sense, because people that are entering the kind of dark and seedy world of cabaret, they're kind of looking for a certain type of humor, a certain type of performance. They kind of know what is going to happen, even though you can still surprise them. Yeah. But day drag i mean it's daunting in and of itself <laughs> yes. and then doing this during the day on an open stage that also needs to be family friendly which i'm also well well equipped to do but it was kind of all those things that came together it was like oh how's this going and it was absolutely superb it was such an outpouring of love um and did one of my performances was essentially um, the German contributions to music were spiraled through Lena's Satellite, but also Rammstein and Modern ah. Talking. Um, and I had three grannies right at the side of the stage that were just belting along to everything. I don't know where they were from, but I was like, this is amazing because I felt like I bonded <laughs> with those women. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's just been absolutely magnificent and I really enjoyed it. It's phenomenal. That day was definitely one of the highlights. I made it for a very short time because I, I should have just taken that day off work, let's face it. But um, <laughs> I got to pop along. But um, we'll get back to Eat Me because they've contributed loads to this whole event. And they're Absolutely. just phenomenal. Um, yeah, that was my question, really. And how important it must be to get out there and kind of find new audiences. Because as you say, 
when you go to a drag club, a cabaret club, the audience <clears> knows <throat> there's a particular type mm. of language and they're, they're kind of already halfway there. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm so glad it was a receptive audience to something that was quite new, maybe, to some of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was a bit nervous given, like, the current rhetoric and how the atmosphere is at least portrayed to be. So because of those reasons, I usually am quite mindful how I'm getting ready and how I'm getting to the places that I need to be. I'm even still nervous getting into an Uber, even though nothing ever happened to me. But it's just like this expectation of going into those things and how am I safely getting to A to B and obviously there's a lot of discussion around those things with track performers and Eat Me are incredible of making sure that you're safe but that day I felt like I could walk anywhere like I felt absolutely free and that took a while because in, initially I was quite hesitant as you like rightfully are when confronted with those fears and, as I say, this rhetoric. And then as the day progressed, I was just walking around Chavez Park and uh, the the mall, the adjacent mall, and A, I kind of forgot that I was in drag, but B, I also felt quite famous. <laughs> so that was the flip side right. because so many people kept chasing me in a very nice way and very respectfully were like, oh, can we take a picture? Because the second look that I had was essentially an homage to the European flag, but also the Ukrainian flag because it was very blue and yellow and I had stars on my shoulders and I had like the typical um, pom-poms, I'd like to say. It's essentially very traditional in German garments, but also Ukrainian and Slavic garments. Yeah. Um and yeah, this whole combination, uh, I think people were like, oh my God, like this is very clearly related to Eurovision and the idea of uh, being united. So loads of people kept um, chasing me down. They're like, oh my God, we want to take a picture. But something that I've never experienced to this degree, because usually you only get this after a show, so that people all of a sudden in public are really nice. Or I was with Dan in the Uber towards uh, Homovision, and it was... Uh, salt of the earth kind of guy very straight wanted to talk about football <laughs> nothing that relates to our experience whatsoever but he looked at both of us and was like oh my god who did your makeup and we're like oh we're performers we did our own makeup i was like oh this is so good i'm so impressed you're doing really well you should be really proud of um representing liverpool i'm so glad that people like you are putting their best foot forward i was like that i did not expect that my cold cynical heart was expecting to be <laughs> hate yeah. crime in daylight instead there was so much love and I think that is also part of this Eurovision spirit that it brings it out in people because every other day that might have not been the same but because everyone wanted to be a good host and wanted to have the best experience and wanted this theme of being united in music quote unquote um, I think that really worked so long story short it was absolutely amazing <laughs> I think you're right for, for, certainly for me it was a very it was a feeling of freedom and liberation more so than we would normally have in the city just mm -hmm. just strolling around and there were days where I didn't necessarily have anything to go to but it was just nice to take a break and walk around the city and just feel that feeling and certainly a lot of the audience members or a lot of the people traveling over here they were in drag just in the day you know there oh, were sequins at 9am there were just incredible people just strutting around just wearing exactly what they wanted no one batting an eyelid or, as you say, getting photos with them because it was just, mm -hmm. they just look so great. I hope that's a feeling that can now last a bit. I hope so too, yes. I think generally 
especially Liverpool by the UK generally, they're quite a good ground for that, I, like from a German perspective, because in, in Germany, the drag scene, at least what I've experienced working in the cup race, it's there and we're up for, up, absolutely subversive as well. And there's a lot of punk going on. But the stereotypes are true. Germans are kind of a reasonable, sensible breed where nothing kind of sticks out too much while the UK and especially Liverpool are known for being eccentric in the best way possible. Like if you want to wear a leopard print fake fur coat down the street, good on you, do that. Nobody's yes. going to be bothered by this. And I think that is such a magical thing that the Brits are not getting enough credit for. And I think it's a perfect kind of breeding ground for actually having quite a liberated and free society because you're already not giving, can I curse on this? Yes. You're already not giving a fuck yes. <laughs> about <laughs> those things anyways. And yeah, I agree with you. Lots of people were attending in more or less drag and Liverpool just welcomed them with open arms. It was wonderful. Even in my queue in the merch, for the merch shop, which took me about an hour and a half, it flew by because I felt I'd just made like new best friends. The people in front mm -hmm. of me were chatting to me, the people behind me. It was just lovely. And just, and even those at the front were kind of chipping in. There was a guy with a Sugar Babes t-shirt. So there was a big group discussion about Sugar Babes. It was just <laughs> a lovely, <laughs> a lovely, lovely feeling. Um, one thing I went to, let, let's get back to Eat Me and kind of how important they are. But mm -hmm. I think probably one of my, probably the, the best cabaret show I've ever been in my entire life. And I will say that quite straight is the migrant cabaret show that I went to. Mm. Um which was absolutely incredible. It was Polish Migrants Organised plus Eat Me and Preach with showcasing the um, Migrated Kingdom of Drag, who I interviewed mm -hmm. in my last podcast. Um, it was radical. Um, it was just liberating. It was emotional. And it was, some of them were very, very new performers. Uh, I mm -hmm. think one who had never performed before and others were, were kind of very seasoned performers. Prince Silver was one of the hosts um, oh, alongside. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> alongside Janice um, and Valera Beloved, who, was, who were two of my favourite performers as well and great actors as well. So it really, really blew me away. It was in a tiny venue, sort of right out towards the docks um, mm -hmm. down in uh, Quarry. Um, yeah. And it was just probably the, one of the highlights of the whole week, um, just getting diverse performers together to experience something really, really special. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it kind of embodied the the entire feeling of, of, of Eurovision. So that was extremely special for me. Yeah. Um, I Unfortunately, I could not attend this because of my um, day job. Um, I was very jealous because... There were obviously also friends of mine performing. I wanted to see Miss Dynasty for the first time. Oh, because my goodness. That's the first time chatting I saw her. on and off. And I've met her out of track because she was so kind supporting us throughout the events and showing up. And I felt very bad that I couldn't return the favour. There was but so much going on. And, icon. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, but I absolutely agree with you. A, uh, Quarry is a beautiful place mm. to... Um, have those events in because they have all the equipment necessary and um as a team they have an understanding of how to keep people safe while also keeping it quite intimate um yes. so besides my performance um kind of 
aspects that I'm doing. I'm also a producer and host, for example, of Spew, which is kind of the sister event now of Eat Me. It's the queer performance scratch night for people. And I'm hoping that we're planning one again very soon. So I'm very familiar with Quarry. But the other thing that I want to say about this, even though I couldn't attend and I probably was not the right person to preach about this, but everyone that I talked to had the same reaction as you just expressed of like, this is amazing. This was such a force to be reckoned with. And it really is a testament of how important it is to have diverse lineups. Obviously, there is a political aspect to it that you want to give people the representation like this is very important. But I'm always trying to have arguments with people that don't get that aspect, that don't get the humanitarian that's not the right word the the um, we should appreciate everyone for who they are aspect mm -hmm. because they're like no this is all politics and this is woke and blah 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 and i'm like even from just a producer standpoint if you don't want to go down the route of being appreciative of other people but even from a producer standpoint creating a diverse lineup where there are loads of different narratives where everyone has space to present their experience is going to be much more worthwhile for the audience than if i have just track queens if it just have white uh, performers because everyone then brings something special and there's yes. going to be enough contrast to have exciting discussions about things and also seeing something new that I'm not familiar with um, if I'm not particularly familiar with a certain cultural setting for example I don't know enough about uh, the Polish track scene that is things then that I see that is fresh and new to me and I think that is often missed because especially uh, producers are trying to replicate existing power structures consciously or subconsciously I don't know um, Dan always has this lovely expression of oh this is a mayonnaise lineup <laughs> because it's <laughs> yeah. essentially just all white but what that also means is it's all kind of bland and the taste kind of muddles together so those those reactions that you just expressed is exactly what I heard from other people as well and it's a testament of you need to bring different kinds of performances together. Nothing boils my piss more than having just drag queens, yeah. especially because we have some very talented drag kings uh, in the city, but also Manchester. And then just people that don't prescribe to that binary thinking as well. We have loads of drag things that are floating around and burlesque performers that might do clownery. And you're like, hmm, that could be drag, but they're not describing as a drag. And this kind of holding on to this one thing, it's just bloody boring it is so boring of... isn't it it's so boring yeah. it's so boring but this just absolutely blew our minds someone i have to mention is luca mocker who oh i've heard so many good things time. about them yeah just someone who's kind of performing it was kind <laughs> of beyond performance art it was just their own thing that they were bringing mm -hmm. um and then i got i'm very lucky just to speak to them afterwards and they were just so so kind and so lovely and so down to earth when they'd just been eating raw sausages on stage you know <laughs> um it's something that it was an experience I couldn't come home and then describe it to people because it was just uh it had to be live you had to be there and I think that's half the beauty of Dragon Cabaret it's all about the live experience and being part of that community of people who are there to experience that and it's a one-off um, yes. as much as people were there with cameras and filming um, I think that's why this is so great that you, you kind of had to be there and experience. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the the aspect that is also really important, you're describing something really important there is that 
you can look at the recordings afterwards and you can kind of clinically with a bit of distance say, oh yeah, this is good and this is bad. And this is what I would improve or this is not to my liking. But what is often missed in the recordings that you cannot replicate is also the energy that the audience gets back. And I think that was the other part why as a performer, those two weeks of Eurovision were so enjoyable because you had an audience at any given point that was so ready to A, be entertained, but also share the love because you can perform your tits off on stage if there's no one to um, scream or clap or do anything, which sometimes happens. Sometimes you have like a really open space and barely anyone in there or the mood is wrong or something happened during the day for the audience, God knows what. Then everything that you put out there just kind of evaporates because it has nowhere to latch onto. And with the Eurovision crowd, it was very much the opposite of you had people that were ready, ready to have high octane performances and be out there, be entertained and were very vocal about how much they like this and how appreciative they are of it. And I think that really um, added to it. And I think that's something like Quarry um, has a perfect setup for that because it's kind of forcing everyone a little bit together. Eat Me, again, mentioning that here, even though I want to mention quickly somebody else as well, but Eat Me is perfect in creating an audience that invites people in that not part of the community, but has a very queer core. Um, and that's something that Dan and I thankfully can also create now in our shows. So we're doing Twist with the Queers, which is every second month on. And it works incredibly well as um, a really campy, tongue-in-cheek, pub quiz that meets the queer experience, so to speak, because it is not necessarily made for the straight gays. Like people that are straight are absolutely invited to join us. And there's loads of regulars that are coming um, that are just straight, but it is in its core queer and the main audience is queer. And I think that changes something of the numbers, for example, like I know, for example, if I'm performing in front of a predominantly straight audience, I cannot whip out some of the more subversive stuff or just some of it that has certain lingo in it that mm -hmm. people just understand because of the cultural markers. Anyways, I'm going on a tangent now, but I think that is something that Eurovision made also really special in conjunction with those um, events or those people producing it because we have a core that is quite queer and then really an audience that is very ready. Also, what I just... in the daytime, as you said. Yes, oh my God, <laughs> like I was absolutely overwhelmed by that kind of energy. It's like, wow, you're ready at uh, 10 a.m. in the morning. Good on you. <laughs> they were ready uh, at 7. I saw people out. They were ready. Well, also want to mention, just because we were raving about other performers, it was mm. John Celestis, because I had the absolute pleasure of um, working with him. We did um, a cabaret together uh, produced by uh, Dross, who's also a very fabulous track yes. queen here in um, Liverpool. Uh, and John Celestis, I believe he's now in Manchester, but he's very international. He worked, I think, everywhere. The five minutes that I talked to him between numbers was like, gosh, where haven't you been? And I think he was right now in Berlin or Leipzig, somewhere in Germany, and now he's in Manchester. And he's a burlesque um, artist who also dances and kind of does a circus act in a very tasteful, elevated way. And also an absolute force to be reckoned with. And also just really nice. I think that's the other thing, what you just said before, uh, when you talk to the other performers, always 
so pleasant to see that people are also just really nice off stage. And I think that is part of their <laughs> part of their success. You're like, oh, I also want to hang out with you afterwards. You're a cool <laughs> yeah, <person>. yeah. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, we, I always say that the UK scene is really exciting and vibrant, but Eurovision has sort of brought that to the fore again. You know, I don't mean with the mm -hmm. mainstream scene. The underground scene has been brought to the fore a bit, as you say. You know. People were out there in the day performing and it's it's just a wonderful thing. And it's just continuing on that support, I think, um, for more diverse performers. How mm -hmm. important do you think Stew is? Um, as, how important are Scratch Nights for oh, bringing up new So performers? important because it kind of jumpstarts the, how do I phrase this? It jumpstarts the grassroots art scene every time a Scratch Night is held because whether you like it or not, even in alternative circles, you kind of fall into the same routine. So you might be still very subversive and punk to the mainstream audience, but you always will be. But you might have just run the same course that you always do. And you need, you need the new input. You need people to shake you up again and question everything that you're doing. And you only get that from A, new work, or B, new performers that might do everything wrong that's possibly, yeah, that's possible. Everything goes kind of apeshipped a, a and not well, and they're completely messing it all up. But there's something true and new that they're telling that you haven't heard before that makes the combination of those two things really exciting. So yeah. scratch nights are for that reason, really important. They keep an entire city essentially alive. And unfortunately we were not possible since I think our first one after the long break was January. And then obviously <clears throat> with Eurovision, et cetera, there was a lot going on trying to organize the next one, but I'm very confident that till the end of August, we will have another scratch night so you've heard it here first people i don't yeah. even know whether my co-producers agree with me on that but <laughs> okay I'm, I'm manifesting here good um, <laughs> good yeah it's it's really important but also from a personal perspective it is just incredibly enjoyable so i produced this together with dan and athena and it was just so nice seeing people that are really nervous or people that don't know what they're necessarily doing um being able to lead them and advise them, but also pushing them essentially onto stage. And when they came back off again, I'm like, oh my God, this was amazing. I already have ideas for the next number. I'm like, yes, this is what this is about. It really gave me, I always joke that Dan and I are the mummy and daddy of Liverpool drag, even though I don't have any children and Dan collects all the drag children. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, at that moment, I was like, oh, I know. I have an idea of how that feels and I want more of this. So I'm absolutely excited of uh, having more scratch nights. I was going to ask you, so there's a chance for a dialogue between you and the performer kind of before and after. How how easy or difficult do you find that, giving feedback? Um, me personally, I find that very easy because, uh, as you might notice already, you put two pence into me and I talk for ages. <laughs> so <laughs> I find this very um, easy. And we always ask for consent, obviously, beforehand of whether people wanted any kind of feedback. So... Um, we had feedback from the audience, but also feedback from other performers. Mm -hmm. And we all collated that first um, because we didn't want unfiltered criticism 
especially coming to young performers. I think there always needs to be, again, some kind of creating and some kind of maintaining. You want to give everything with love because, as as I said before, having those scratch nights is important to jumpstart a scene again. Um, and I want all those people that come to our scratch nights, I want them essentially in 10 years' time still to be on a stage because yeah. I believe in all of the things that they're saying and all of their new perspectives and the diversity that they're bringing. So I think the worst would be to just give them unfiltered criticism and kind of quench whatever excitement they're having. I think I would be, then I would be really disappointed with what we're doing. So we didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and instead yeah. Uh, we had kind of discussions beforehand and guidance. Um, so some people were like, oh, I want, I want to do a 15 minute number of um, a monologue that is about the experience of being queer and public transport. And I was like, there is something in there, but 15 minutes, I don't think, <laughs> but there is a typical enthusiasm that you have, especially from performers that are also younger in age, so not necessarily inexperienced performers because to a degree, I would also still consider myself inexperienced because I literally just started this less than 12 months ago. But there's a certain thing about age. I'm turning 32 now this year. I know a little bit about um, how to hold an audience and generally how to conduct myself, which I wouldn't have had with 18, 19, 20. So those youngsters putting themselves out there and already being quite polished. I'm like, I can forgive you <laughs> this blind enthusiasm. Let me, let me guide you. Let me tell you how 15 minutes might not be the best idea. So we had those discussions and then afterwards um, giving kind of feedback on not just um, what happens on stage, but also what happens off stage, like how to, it sounds a bit harsh, but how to behave backstage. That it's not it's necessary. It's yeah, important. it's not necessarily, I'm, I, at no point I had to sit down with anyone was like, this was horrendous and you shouldn't do this. But it's more like the, um, yeah, the ideas of what can you improve and how to behave with other colleagues and how can you have a sustainable career um, while still also having the biggest enjoyment. So that was sometimes also just things about like, how do I cope with stress behind the scenes and things like this. So, yeah. Highly recommend, very much enjoy. Hope that it's going to be organised uh, soon again. It's so important. Um, my Greater Kingdom of Drag it similarly runs free workshops, free mm -hmm. drag workshops for migrants in the run-up to then an opportunity to perform, as you know, often in conjunction with Eat Me. Um, yeah. And then the, um, the performance just ends up being a huge celebration of kind of who they are and what they've achieved over mm -hmm. that, that four, four days. And um, I think most of them have then gone on uh, to other things and have either done more workshops or are now very successful. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think these are hugely important because it, it must be so daunting trying to break into an established drag scene, particularly, as you say, if you're not one of those kind of mayonnaise performers. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's a, it's a lot about taking away those anxieties and saying that you have a place here. And again, Liverpool is an incredible place to do that. I think there is um, a welcoming scene. And I was personally quite surprised when I started out how quickly I entered the echelons that I thought were unattainable, all of a sudden being on like proper cabaret stages and doing my thing and that is a real testament to how welcoming the scene here is and how much love there is in the community 
um, and how we want each other to do well. So obviously the entertainment aspect is always on the forefront of our minds. But I think before that, there's always this, how can we support that person? Like if they set their mind to do this, how can we get them there? And then by sheer accident, it makes everything a bit more entertaining, a bit more vibrant. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, it's 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 just really important. And I'm happy that we are in a city like this. When I first came here in 2018, so <clears throat> originally I was uh, I'm I'm from Germany. Um, the Franz Genau is not just an act. <laughs> I'm not secretly from uh, Birkenhead or anything like this. I'm actually I'm actually German. Um, and I came here 2018, and I did not realize how big Liverpool's queer scene is. Mm. Um, and for example, Homotopia is a big contributor to this with the. Uh, annual festival that's the 20th anniversary this year which is absolutely incredible so I very quickly then fell in love with the opportunities and the um, wealth of possibilities the events that you can go to and it's not just about party 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 but also the culture the theater and the cabaret and exhibitions um, so removed from my track persona I'm um, an illustrator and for example did my first solo exhibition this year congratulations and you're a wonderful illustrator <laughs> thank you thank you and there's I don't think that is necessarily possible in a lot of other places that I used to live before for example in Germany because it isn't the appreciation for grassroots organizations is bigger here which is also obviously part of the scouse history and in other places the barriers are much bigger so in germany i would probably run into more issues of organizing my own exhibition just from scratch because that's not the proper way to do things and you should always have like an institute behind you or something like this um, and i think it's similar with the performances as well so i think even though we complain a lot sometimes about accessibility etc the barriers are lower here to just do your own stuff and approach uh, a place and say i want to do an event then for example in germany is that similar for the other things you do so you're a founder of queer art brunch club and you've got a radio mm -hmm. show drag things i think i think it is easier here because as a culture the Brits are not too hung up on qualifications. So even in like boring day life and boring day jobs, uh, you can kind of swap from one career to the other more easily. While in Germany, everything is determined by the first thing that you did in university. And mm -hmm. that will kind of um, determine your entire career. And there is no diverging from this. And to a degree that is similar in the arts world as well, even though everyone wants to be hip and bohemian, they still very much latch onto this idea of, have you studied art or um, which big theatre has backed you up before that you would want to do this kind of event? I know, thankfully, there are a few grassroots events as well. Probably that's why I latched onto them, uh, because I found them so attractive. So um, what was that? I think in April, I went back to Germany to my hometown Beautiful place, Bonn, former capital of Germany, uh, very picturesque, very 
conservative, but not in a, ooh, we all hate the gays conservative, more in a, like, everyone sticks to themselves and we have pristine little neighborhoods. So they're still, like, very liberal in a sense. Conservative might mean something else in that context, but it's very much like if I walk around there with blue hair, I stick out like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. And they've managed to organize kind of in a grassroots way um, a cabaret that is track um, in a very big theater. It was the very first time for me that I actually performed in a place that had a huge backstage <laughs> I felt, I felt like a like a proper king I was like oh my that's god that's rare space yeah. <laughs> and food and you have a proper restaurant here I did not know how to maintain myself um but yeah so those things happen in Germany as well but I think here it is much easier um so the best example for how appreciative for example venues are to make new events is again quiz with the queers because mm. I started Franz Genau kind of just as a I'm an illustrator I can slap makeup on my face and just see where that goes and for the longest time I was telling this gorgeous little life this is only um, makeup looks for Instagram this will, not, <laughs> this will not go anywhere oh I could never go on stage no and then people kind of kept approaching me were like this is really good like why are you not doing anything with this and I was like oh I could never I don't know where to go with this and I was thinking about like working in bars or going on cabaret stage but I also kind of felt like a fraud going instantly to those places with no experience in performing whatsoever so I thought the easiest way for me to bridge that gap is to just create my own event which maybe sounds for some people counterintuitive because that involves a lot of other work on top of performing. Um, but because I formed that friendship with Dan, we're like, we should do we should do something like a quiz or so. And then we found Chapters of Us uh, back then, which was a very appreciative venue. And they instantly were like, yeah, you can do you can do whatever. No, we don't charge you. This is just for you. And um, there was an absolute readiness and eagerness to do this and it filled a gap in the market and people loved it and it keeps on selling out and people keep on showing up um so i don't necessarily think that in germany i could just rock up to a restaurant or cafe and be like do you want to do track track events is that what you want to do no okay i'll, I'll see myself out then thank you <laughs> to have free um, venues as well is so important isn't it because you can test stuff yeah um, yeah so many great performers I've spoken to who organise their own events. It's been it's been the venue that's been the turning point. It's like, oh, I just said suggested this idea, and they said, yeah, let's try it out, and then Absolutely. that's it. You know, um, tell me about Franz then. So Franz Canal is um, a German trekking chaos demon, daddy of the Liverpool scene, um, a crossbreed between. Magic Mike and Clown White. Um, yeah, I think because I have to be so serious in everyday life because we all have our jobs and our mm. worries, Franz Genau is kind of this himbo persona who can just be beautifully unhinged and has the absolute freedom to say and do whatever he wants. Um the best example was our last quiz for Eurovision where I felt all day really like anxious and I had lots of things to do. And then in the evening when I could be Franz Gnar, um, I was just rolling around tables and standing on benches and shouting at people and um, telling uh, sex stories and uh, asking people for um, 
their favorite dick sizes and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my god, how how lovely, how how free <laughs> yes. you can be. Um, so yeah, and Franz Canal was birthed out of essentially the eat me scene. So I think he wouldn't exist otherwise if alternative cabarets wouldn't be there because mm. for the longest time and growing up with RuPaul's Drag Race, something mm. that I um, thoroughly detest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think I had this idea of, oh, everything needs to be A, set in a proper binary and B, it has to be me portraying a gender opposite of what I'm perceived. So I'm a cis male, um, so I need to swap genders for this to be valid drag and there's no other option. And then through the exposure of people truly not giving a fuck <laughs> on yeah. the Eat Me stage and everywhere else, like Manchester Pride, and I was at a cabaret in Hamburg, et cetera, where there's a lot of burlesque. And every time again and again, I saw people who just kind of were there, not prescribing to any of those rules. And it took me 30 years of my life to apply that to myself and think, oh, wait a second, I don't need to do this. Like mm -hmm. Franz is on the one hand, very male presenting and I describe him as a drag king. And most of the times he has this white face on and he's taken the piss out of uh, male conceptions like walking around like a leather daddy um, or like there's typical Gautier sailors, but then there's an absolute um, vile being on stage who's telling like horrendous jokes and um, is very effeminate, which kind of breaks again with that maleness. Um, yeah, I, I only realized but very late to the game that that could be something that I'm doing. And now I'm really enjoying it because it is this kind of, this kind of freedom um, to express myself and have a break from my everyday personality. I think I've had a lot of discussions with friends about this recently, that the feeling you have as that performer getting that freedom is the same feeling that audience members get. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly it's that gosh, I've just left everything behind of my day-to-day -day life because these performers are just so kind of intoxicating and you get swept yeah. up in, into their world. So, um, But no, I, I think Drag Race was very harmful for, um, yeah. for for mainstream conceptions of what drag could be and kind of beyond that. It's, very, it's a very sanitised version of what drag is and it's mm. a very... <clears throat> It's very limiting. The UK version is much broader because UK queens just kind of do their own thing. And that's why I admire that particular franchise because yeah. people just do whatever. And uh, I think there's a much stronger, uh, much stronger basis in performance and subverting roles while the American um, franchise is much more about realness and passing. And it comes obviously from different cultures and different backgrounds. Yes. Um, but yeah, I agree. It is. It can be quite harmful. And what you said before, this giving people freedom as an audience as well, I think that is the biggest motivating factor for me. So you have different drag acts that you can do. You can be a really good singer or there are those few that can be really inspiring and have amazing and passionate speeches that they're giving. France's um, brand is definitely comedy and it's definitely always a punchline always a good narrative um a do for example a filthy gorgeous number as a sailor that results then in me uh, stripping and having um 
inky intercourse with uh, an octopus on stage, roughly inspired by the boys. But there's like the reason why I'm doing things like that is because I know that there's so much hardship going on anyways. And I always personally enjoy the performances, like for example, Juno Birch, et cetera, where I can sit there and yeah. roll around laughing, have tears running down my face and think this is hilarious because as a queer person, I don't necessarily need the reminders of this is all that's going wrong. And now we're singing a sad power ballad about this. So I want that kind of escapism. And that is what Franz Canal is offering. So if uh, people want um, stupidity, joy and comedy, uh, that is, I, I'm their man. <laughs> oh, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Should we, should we talk about Eurovision quickly? Yeah, yes, I feel like we're completely sidetracked. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all, because I wanted to hear all about Franz. Um, what was your experience like on the night? Where did you watch the final? So I watched it with friends who were part of the Baltic creatives. Mm. And um, it kind of had like spiraled a bit out of control in the best sense possible because it was essentially just one TV and all of a sudden there were 50 people all hanging around uh, and we were infiltrated <laughs> by, um, in the best sense possible, by uh, loads of Irish fans, uh, bless them. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. They Never had uh, no one to latch onto anymore uh, in regards to performers. <laughs> so they were just the best sport and just supported everyone. Um, and yeah, the the the... It's a weird thing. So generally, I really enjoy Eurovision Night. This is like Christmas. Um, I enjoyed all the performances. I thought the hosts were really good. Yes. Uh, what was her name again? Hannah. Hannah. Hannah something. Yes, that lady. We know. Yeah, her. The, the, Waddingham. The Waddingham. Yes, possibly. I'm bad with names, but I, the internet loves her. I love her. It was absolutely incredible. The charm was just, just oozing out of her. Um, and again, similar to what Liverpool did, the original stage did there as well, highlighting the Ukraine. This was at mm. no point, oh, the Brits are taking over and this is our thing. It was very much always the Ukraine in the forefront. And I think that was also so nice about being in Liverpool at that time that we had, for example, those songbirds everywhere that were playing Ukraine yes. music. Um, all the colours were there. There was a section in Euro Village where you could learn about the Ukraine. We had at every point a Ukraine artist that was the first introducing something before anything else was coming up. And that was the same on that night that I really enjoyed. So that was great. The only time that I really cringed, and that is just Germans and their relation to their own nation. Go on. <laughs> is, I feel the same uh, when, about the UK. When, when our own performance came up, because then everyone turns towards me because I'm the only German in the friendship group is like this is your country and starts like getting a reaction out of me and that I should be wooing and I know as that if I'm you are not. responsible somehow yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm graciously taking the role as a German ambassador but um that usually just results in like self-deprecation so I don't know how well this is going um yeah so this is always where I'm like oh god no please don't saying that though I thought blood and glitter was better than all the other entries that we had over the past five years mm -hmm. and that that ended up in the last spot um i don't understand me neither me neither i thought i enjoyed it i thought it was a great performance i thought they looked terrific um they were and certainly memorable exactly yeah. exactly like That's what else I can want. you send now like 
last last year we had this really stupid children's song of like I don't feel hate. I absolutely endorse the zero points or whatever it gotten because that was bloody horrendous. Even though I still remember this foam finger person that was a peace sign, <laughs> but halfway through the finale their right arm got a bit weak. So then it just looked like they were flipping off the entire audience. I thought that was camp. I thought that was kind of a message in and of itself. And I, I love support foam that. finger. <laughs> but yeah, so this year's, same with um, May Muller. I was like, this is a good song. I don't get that either. So I don't know how you feel about that. I felt, give... I felt really sorry for her. I think it was a, mm-hmm. it was a good song um they're saying her performance wasn't that strong but I just think she's 25 she's being catapulted onto this world stage she was on the tonight show or something I mean it's gone massive and then that happens to her and then I just think oh I hope she's got really good people around her now and I hope she's staying away from social media which she isn't she's all over it which perhaps is the best thing um (laughs) but I just I felt for her because it was undeserved it was memorable. It was catchy. I think some of the others. I'm not into the very slow ballad ones. Yeah, they're very forgettable. And um, for me, they they were far weaker. Um, it, but it was interesting what you said about it, it brings up all sorts of feelings about your relationship to your own country because the big thing I can't deal with over Eurovision is the amount of United Kingdom flags I'm seeing. <laughs> you know, that's very triggering for me. The the patriotism side, I'm like, I can't. <laughs> can't deal with that at all um my favorite was Finland and actually my my other favorite was Iceland she didn't get through and I was lucky enough to see her perform uh, a preview gig on the Monday before and I thought she was absolutely brilliant uh Ah. who did power yeah and she didn't get through and I was gutted for her yeah that's fair yeah there were loads of other places or loads of other um performances I was like, this is much stronger. And I think it was got all kind of screwed over by the jury voting, just pouring all the points into one section. Because yes. essentially, mm-hmm. like I feel bad about Germany. I feel bad about the UK. But if you look around, there are loads of places that got below 50 points. Like whatever happened to France and yeah. all those, other, like Austria. Austria was a bob. Everyone was like, this is going to be in the top 10. And they got, I don't know, 15 points from the public. I was like... What the hell is going on? So I feel like there was something overpowering um, kind of the entire competition. But I'm not here for the slender of um, the tattoo song. I can never say her name. I always say, oh, Lorraine was really good. (laughs) (laughs) She's like the British version, Lorraine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely the same. No difference. If Lorraine would be on stage, she would sing as well. no, but like I think Sweden was a good song. I see like loads of conspiracies on yes, social media. I keep that hearing this is these conspiracies plagiarism about... and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like you're only saying this now because your favorite hasn't won. <laughs> a week ago, everyone was singing the song and was doing the hand motions and trying to touch the lights and trying to be the best version of that song. And now all of a sudden it's totally horrendous and nobody likes it anymore. Like, who who is your favorite? My favorite was also Finland. Yeah. A, because it did, again did something to the crowd. And yes. um, if throughout this entire um, episode today you didn't learn anything, but that Franz Gnau is an absolute crowd pleaser. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, there's something there. I'm going with the majority. Um, it was just fun being um, at the pier heads as soon as the song comes up and everyone just loses their goddamn mind over it. But also, I think 
he is incredibly charming. He's very endearing. Yes. And we have a similar physique. And I only just ever get my tits out in drag, but wouldn't necessarily in everyday life. Like I wouldn't necessarily walk around like this on a beach. So seeing then a body similar to mine that is not just hardened muscles and abs. Yes. Um, I just found that, yeah. On top of that, just very nice to see the song was great. He was incredibly charming. And I felt like I could see myself on stage being a little bit jiggly and still being celebrated. And yeah. Yeah, he that, was the that was spirit. My number one. He was the spirit of Eurovision to me. And the fact that he wore that costume the whole week. Oh my God, he must have stunk. Unbelievable. I kind of loved it. Or I hope that he had like a few of them, like his sequence is just full of I really I really hope so too, because yeah. I did three days of drag in a row. Um and I had at one point I think a harness on or something, and somebody came really close to me and was like, Oh, that smells a bit like burnt plastic. And I was like, I know, oh. I'm smelling today like plastic and hot baked beans. That is the the scent that Franz now had on day three. So God knows how he's doing after two weeks. What what are you gonna do? I saw lots of people around town wearing um similar costumes. I thought it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. He inspired lots of people to wander around in that wonderful green ensemble yes. which I really appreciated just quickly because I'm mindful of time but I would be amiss to not mention it the person that is absolutely amazing really lovely in person and smells really well I met Conchita Wurst I was oh. able to meet Conchita Wurst and I would like to say talk to her but that is a lie because I got so flabbergasted and so nervous. And obviously I can speak German, but mm. I was just going <laughs> at her face. And she was absolutely <laughs> lovely and was like, you're quite all right. And she just smiled amazing. And I kind of left her again, was just saying, have a lovely. And then couldn't even finish the bloody sentence <laughs> because I was so starstruck. But she is so like, she's so nice because we kind of swarmed her with 20 people because we thought, oh, the queue is really long instead of getting just one picture, which is getting one all together. If that would have been me, I would have called security, but she was just smiley and lovely and really gorgeous in person. It's oh. unfair. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because that oh, was that's I think, a the most magical experience. I was running around screaming so high that I attracted all the dogs in a 20-mile radius. <laughs> Did you know you were going to meet her? Did you have time to prepare or was it kind of... No, not at all. You? So right. it was down the pier head um the night before the finale um when Sonia was no not Sonia who was there when she was singing Conchita was was singing oh Sophia Alice Baxter was there oh my god that was like gay heaven down there um and my boyfriend was just on the way to the toilets and he was texting me and was like oh Conchita was here I was like yeah I know she's going to be singing he was like no she's at the toilets and was like what do you mean she's at the toilets surely she isn't at the toilets and he was like she's in a little box here and I was like this is becoming more cryptic by the second so I was trying to chase him down and lord and behold there was Conchita was just in the booking.com box um just having a meet and greet and um we queued just in time. It was the funniest thing as well, because as soon as we took pictures, I saw three other um, drag performers out of drag, just having their day off. And they all saw me also started taking pictures. So all of a sudden there were like 20 people taking pictures of 20 people. I was like, what the hell is going on? This is a lot. Um, so no, there was no preparation whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, it was a very spontaneous um, day because all I wanted to do was see Danny Beard that evening. Yeah. Um, who's obviously absolutely amazing and, He's also so um, kind. They I met them. Who was that? 
I met them before Drag Race <laughs> downstairs in the Eagle in Manchester. And there's right. still pictures of us because they look like they had the ring light on them and look absolutely gorgeous. And my boyfriend and I look like burns victims because we're under red light and just look like goblins being met by Danny Beard. Anyways, so we met, uh, we saw Danny Beard, but the most exciting thing of that evening, and I can't believe that I forgot to tell you this about the Eurovision magic, was seeing Sophie Alice Baxter because the songs were all amazing. The crowd was going wild. I had um, chips with cheese in my hand. I had all yes. my friends around me. And right as she started singing her most favorite song, um, Murder on the Dance Floor, the Lyra building, but also the sky were in Ukrainian colors. So ah. the bottom was kind of yellow and then it just got into this blue and you had all those gays around you dancing and singing. It was like, this is pure magic. Like it doesn't get better than this. I feel like it's how the city should always be. <laughs> yes. I feel was. like we also all would be absolutely exhausted and burned out at some point. Yes. But... There hasn't, it hasn't hit me yet, but it will. Um, I think that was what was so well. Sophia Spexter was playing a set in John Lewis earlier in the week. <laughs> I know this is what was so great about the whole thing. I know I just saw like in stories of my friends and was like, "What the fuck is she doing in the kitchen department?" And I had like a fellow artist of mine, Sophie Creed, absolutely amazing. Yes, shop in yes. Uh, Mercy Maid. <laughs> and I met her the week before and she's like yeah yeah there's gonna be like something in the kitchen department but I'm not quite sure what and then I saw that and was like you're fucking kidding me yeah I saw her there it was amazing just by the escalators there was a <laughs> lovely artisan market and then you know various performers it's insane there's a very funny and mean going around that um there was a DJ set in one of the co-ops <laughs> I was like, what is going on <laughs> you're I mean, crazy Liverpool really through everything that had at it i yeah. saw an after party in the vape shop i was like good on you people good <laughs> on you <laughs> what i love was the spontaneousness of it you know you could just be wandering getting a coffee and then you just see something absolutely fantastic mm -hmm. with, with, you know. the the thing that i wasn't even aware of until it was too late but as other people going to it was um i don't know whether you saw that at lush on the third floor, they had all the Eurovision entries one after the other perform there. And I was like, you're fucking kidding me. Like, I wish I'd known that, about that. It wasn't even yeah. advertised properly. Yeah. And it was yeah. just something happening on the side. We always have great things oh, going on. Like whoever the manager there is, shout out to them because they're doing the fucking most. Yeah. We won, we won one night. Um, my, my boyfriend wanted to see Riley. Um, that was before they didn't find uh, didn't qualify <clears throat> um and oh, it was heartbroken because he had still glitter from work on I was like oh i specifically kept this on to see riley and then we hunkered down and lunch and then riley cancelled so that's when they lost my support and <laughs> they lost everyone else's support <laughs> there you go if they'd done that if they'd performed they would have been fine yeah France could have helped secure that vote. I can yes. be a strong ally or <laughs> your yes. worst enemy. You get there on your social media. <laughs> Grossly overestimating my influence. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now, yes. Let's, yes. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. Um, well, let's look forward then, I suppose. what After that incredible couple of weeks, what are you looking forward to next? Oh, so much. Um, so 
we're going to have a little bit of a cool off period in, mm. in May because my body is absolutely aching and uh, I, I can't cope and uh, also still have a day job. Um, but then in July, um, Dan and I are planning something special for um, Liverpool Pride that we cannot necessarily disclose yet, but I hope it goes on over multiple days and will be a nuisance to everyone. Right. <laughs> um, so that is what we're kind of planning for end of July. Then we're going into um, our planning also of Spew, trying to have a new scratch night again. And going to advertise that on my social media, at Queer Artisan. Um, and then what else are we doing? Then it goes into August, um so in august i'm gonna be hosting a cabaret my very first one in manchester i don't think it has been announced yet so i'm not going to say the name but that is what i know is going to happen um the secrets will be unveiled soon um and i'm excited about kind of preaching the gap into manchester i'm incredibly lazy in regards of traveling so <laughs> i think that's one of the reasons why i wasn't like oh let me perform all over the uk i usually either go back to germany and then have something there or just locally so this is the first time going to another city and i'm very excited about this um and then in the long run we're gonna have something big at the end of the year that we haven't signed the contracts for yet so it's still all kind of hush hush fingers crossed um which is gonna happen here in liverpool and throughout the month coming every first wednesday dan and i have our radio show called drag dings which is yes. essentially a one hour format where two drag artists talk about everything queer for everyone it's a very easygoing um shit chat show where we play some queer tunes and it's always revolving around one theme kind of started in february at melodic distraction um where we had four episodes over four weeks talking about the lgbtq plus history month and kind of giving context to everything drag going on the history and what our performance is doing for the community etc and they're still all out there so you can still listen to them uh, i think we did some quality content there <laughs> uh, and then recently we started again doing it um monthly so we had i think an episode that was just about positivity because that was in April time, but everything was doom and gloom. We needed something to make ourselves feel better. And then the May edition is how else could it be about Eurovision and fashion? Even though I think we ended up about talking talking about sex in Berlin darkroom. So we very much also kind of spiral out of control and just use this as a loose orientation. Um, so the next one is going to be the first Wednesday in June, which is also my birthday month. Oh, so lovely. best believe I'm going to make this entire episode about myself. Wonderful. <laughs> I will put links to all of those things in Amazing. this episode. Um, it's been gorgeous talking to you. Thank you so much. My Eurovision blues, I think, have lifted now. Oh, and, thank um, God. Yeah, mine has. Let's carry the the spirit onwards into, yes. into everything else coming up. So um, thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that we can cha-cha-cha through the rest yes, of the week. Yes, let's. <laughs> Hi again, it's Carly. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to find out more or get in touch, head over to teawithkingsandqueens.com.